We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Sarah Silverman's new stand-up comedy special, Someone You Love, premieres tomorrow night on HBO, also streaming on Max. We spoke in 2017 when she performed live at the MGM National Harbor near Washington, D.C. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us. This is an honor. Hi, I'm happy to be here. They have an awesome new venue out there at National Harbor. It's a casino. Should our listeners get boozed up on the free casino? No booze before they see you and lose all their money first or after they see you? Do it after. I don't like drunk people. They scare me. <laughs> I have an actual phobia of drunk people. <laughs> I'm the kind of uh, semi-famous person where people feel like they know me and that's nice, but when they're drunk, then they feel like they can, like, grab me. I'm just a little lady. What can we expect from the show? I mean, you're going to be in D.C., so obviously that opens up a ton of political jokes. Yeah. I mean, I, um, let's see, what can you expect? I don't know what I can say on this show, but it's, you know, um, it's not for children and, uh, it's, it's sometimes explicit, but I talk a lot about family, but that's explicit too. (laughs) Sometimes the most explicit. (laughs) Take us how you got into comedy in the first place. So you were were born in Bedford, New Hampshire. Who did you like growing up? Like which comics did you sort of uh, enjoy as a youngin'? I worshipped Steve Martin. Of course. Uh, I loved him so much. And then, of course, Woody Allen. Uh, My mom had a a double album of Woody Allen, and we listened to that all the time. I loved Albert Brooks. Um, All the people I still really admire, but um, Martin Short. uh, You know, I like intellectual stuff, and I like regressively silly stuff. And I find that they... They combine often. Absolutely. Did you ever have chance meetings where you actually got to meet some of these heroes later in life? Yeah, I met uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short, and um, I I adore both of them. That's so awesome. And Albert Brooks. Yeah, Albert. Oh my God, what a life. Albert Brooks is so effing fun. My childhood me knew what my adulthood me would be. I was just... <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, so you grew up, you know, loving all those guys and gals, and then, and then how did you actually get into stand-up around, I think it was like 92? Oh, I, uh, the first time I did stand-up, I was 17 in Boston, because that was kind of like the closest city where I was um, lived in New Hampshire, actually, southern New Hampshire. Gotcha. And then I finished high school, and then I moved to New York, and um, I started, you know, working, passing out flyers for a club in New York called the Boston Comedy Club, and they'd give me stage time, and it just slowly, you know, I started passing at the clubs, and um, yeah, 92, 93, you know, I quit college after my first year. My dad said, if you quit, I'll pay the next three years as if it's your sophomore, junior, senior year of your rent. 
That's like a great deal. Just so expensive. So, um, so you had a four-year deal so we, regardless, whether it was college or not. It was a four-year deal with that. Yeah, but, I mean, it, 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 you know, he knew, like, what I was doing. I didn't need a diploma, you know? Sure. So uh, instead of paying for college, he paid my, you know, $350 a month rent and uh, utilities. Nice. And um, by the time I would have graduated, I was writing for Saturday Night Live. But addendum, I was fired a year later. But I kept, you know, I, I from then on, I supported myself. So it worked out well. And I still got an education because I just stole classes from NYU, you know. You just stole them and did they're all like, Yeah, they're all big lectures. And I just went. And now you're giving lectures, except they're funny lectures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You mentioned SNL and how it was sort of a, a brief, you said about a year. I think I saw some, was it Bob Odenkirk or someone saying about you leaving the show and, and said it's because you, you had your own little voice and, you know, sometimes it doesn't always fit. But what's, what's your take? Um, that's very generous of Bob. But um, <laughs> I would say, um, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, I... I I looked back on it. I saw, I kept all the sketches I wrote and I read them and they're not funny. I think it might have had something to do with that. I think they were, I wasn't me yet. You know, I was very young and it was impressive that I got hired and I was very good at punching up. I don't think anyone who remembers me will deny that. That was my, my best kind of quality was I was able, I was really good on the uh, Thursday nights when we punched, punched up all the scripts. But, you know, I wasn't, I was young and I didn't have a whole lot to contribute at that point. <laughs> so you, when you're saying punching up, you mean sketches that were already written. You were really good at jumping in there and making them much better. Do you remember which ones you punched up? Any of the famous ones we know? I'm sure, but hundreds and hundreds. I mean, probably many. I, no, I guess not hundreds, but whatever, 20 shows worth of maybe just, you know. Right. Did any of yours finally make the, the air? No. None? Uh, some that I co-wrote, some that I helped write, some that I co-wrote. Lots of individual jokes made it into sketches, and I would get jokes on update a lot. But no, I was my sketches weren't funny. <laughs> do, you, do you remember any of the ones that, that you thought were funny at the time, and now you look back oh, and you're like... I, you know, I, they were like high concept. Phil Hartman was very generous, and he had seen me do stand-up, and he said, write something for you and I to do together. No, you and me would be the correct. Okay, sorry, my mom is still in my head. Right. Um, and I wrote this thing about how we were houseflies, and... Because houseflies only live 24 hours, so he was, like, at the end of his life, and I was young, and <laughs> he was, uh, like, giving me advice as we sat on the wall watching a dog go to the bathroom in the house. And, um, but I don't remember, like, the jokes, but it was right. very, like, I think it was written in the frame of, like, a pe like a masterpiece theater. You know, I don't know. Right, 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 right. Very weird kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> not bright, high-concept, young kid stuff. <laughs> There's probably something there, but yeah. absolutely. Well, all the years later, you ended up getting the last laugh. You got your own show in '07, Sarah Silverman program on Comedy Central. But I'm sure when you let go of SNL, you're you're just like bummed for a while. So how do you pick yourself back up and, and build a, a successful stand-up career to the point where you get your own freaking show? Oh, it was a long road. You know, I mean, I got fired from Saturday Night Live, so I felt like you know worthless. And then I moved to LA, and I immediately booked uh, a sitcom and did day before we shot it, I got fired from that. And so that gave me a real complex that I was going to just always be fired. And so even when I was hired for things, I was constantly waiting to be fired for them, but from them, but I, I didn't actually. And then I, 
I was able to hold on to jobs for a while and I did all sorts of different jobs on shows and you know I did like a Star Trek Voyager and I did <laughs> Seinfeld and I was then I had a recurring role on Larry Sanders and um I just I, I was able to you know once I met Gary Shandling he was a real mentor to me and huge in my life and um and I just you know I just stand up is always was always there for me. It was always something I could hone and, and, you know, uh, develop and, you know, I love it. It's like who, it's who I am. I always say it's like kind of like being gay. Like you just, you're born that way. And if you either figure out you're a stand up or you just think that something's wrong with you your whole life. Right. I'm glad you found out who you really were. <laughs> we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Well, before we move on, you mentioned Seinfeld there. You were you were the Jimmy Legs. You were a girlfriend with the Jimmy Legs, right? Oh my, yes. <laughs> you didn't think I would know that. Oh, dude. I, well, I know you're a movie goo. I know you know movies, but I didn't know you knew sitcom. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's everything. No, memories of that real quick. What was it like working with him and Julie Louis-Dreyfus, all those people? They, that must have been nuts. It was great. It was, you know, I, I think that was like the most excited I ever have been from getting like a job from an audition. Like I just couldn't believe it because Seinfeld was already like an institution and I was actually Kramer's girlfriend and uh, it was really cool. It was, you know, I remember Jerry said I looked too young. I looked so young. I was so young and I looked even younger and I, so they made my, they gave me like older woman hair and, you know, like soft curls and, you know, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Now I warrant older woman hair, but I still just have, wake up and put a ponytail on my head and don't think about it. That's so funny. What Memories of Sarah Silverman program, though, because it was, it was a funny show, man. What was, what, what was, like, the biggest joy of doing that and also sort of the biggest challenge of it, too? Oh, the Sarah Silverman program was that we all, we're all very close friends everyone who worked on it and we were either already best friends or we were or we became best friends but it was a group where whenever we see each other now we're like oh no is that going to be the happiest time of our lives <laughs> did it already happen <laughs> but it was it was pure joy and uh it just felt like being home and my sister played my sister my older sister played my younger sister and uh you know just to be able to be together every single day was Pure joy. Yeah, especially getting to swap the older, younger dynamic with the sister. When I told her she was playing my younger sister, she was like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But everybody thinks she's younger than me, so I, oh. It was the older woman hair, I think. That's what did it. It flipped it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Nice. Yeah, all right. See, bringing it back. The old callback. That's that's a great one. Callback. You can't go wrong with the old callback. Um, I'm trying to think what else. You mentioned Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. You started landing some movie roles, too, like School of Rock, Something About Mary. Real quick memories of those. Oh, my gosh. Something About Mary was, I think, my first uh, my first movie that, like, went into movie theaters. That was really fun. Uh, Fairly Brothers are hilarious. And it was really good. Um, School of Rock was so funny. It's funny when you play just, like, the 
the bitchy girlfriend. Like, it was a little soul-killing, but when I watched the movie, it's so good. And Jack is, like, it's it's exactly him, you know? That's who he is. He's so special. And But it was funny because, you know, like, when you're shooting it, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, making people laugh and being me, you know, and, and then you watch the movie and I'm just like this angry bitch, you know, <laughs> character and you go, oh, a little soul killing, but the movie is so good and I was so happy to be a part of it. It's hard to like shake off the, uh, the uh, bitchy uh, girlfriend role, the, the first girlfriend before the guy realizes what love can be. Right, That's right. always like what the uh, Jewish girls get, you know? We love yeah. to hit you in that. You did your job well. Um, that's awesome. Thank All right. you. One other little thing before we bring it back to MGM National Harbor. I have to ask you, I'm blanking Matt Damon. That was a cultural phenomenon. <laughs> you were hilarious. Yeah. How did you. How did that, I mean, when you get that pitch to you, do you just jump at it? Because you don't really shy away from things, but there's some, take me into like the formation well, of that. I'm a, Jimmy was my, we were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, and we, um, he was having a birthday show where he didn't want to know what any of the content was. He wanted it to be all a birthday present to him, the guests, everything, all the stuff he loved. And he had been ending the show with Sorry Not Damon, we ran out of time, which he, I think he still does, you oh, know. every show. And at the time, <laughs> yeah, and at the time it was, now it's tradition and it has a whole new meaning, but at the time it was because you know, his show was new and, you know, it was like his, the second guest on the show would be like the man with the longest arm hair, you know, like <laughs> it was hard for it. So it was funny to say, oh, to the biggest movie star alive, like, sorry, we didn't get you on the show. Right. So, um, and Matt had come on and done some, some things on the show. And so um, a couple of the writers, Tony Barbieri and Sal, Cousin Sal had come up with this idea that I do a video and it ends up that I'm bleeping Matt Damon and then it turned into a song and then we all wrote the song. I was on tour uh, and I went through Miami where Matt was living at the time and the writers came down and the director, um, Wayne McClammy. And the night before, we just wrote the song and recorded it. And then the next morning, Matt came in, learned the song, recorded it in the closet of a hotel. And then th that hotel let us shoot just all around the hotel. And we had three hours with Matt. He had a hard out at 11 a.m. or noon or something because he's such a great guy. And he it was his daughter's Halloween uh, pageants and he wasn't going to be late for it. And uh, he did the whole thing. It was amazing. He was so awesome. And then we never aired it. It just went on the shelf for a long time because um, the writer's strike happened. And then we pulled it out uh, after the writer's strike. It was um, the five-year anniversary of the show, so we did it for that. And it was still a surprise. He had no idea what it was. And I remember we were brushing our teeth in his dressing room, and Jimmy's like, I can't wait to see what you did. Everyone's saying I'm going to love it. And I go, I, you know, I didn't know it would be. I just said, well, I mean, lower your expectations. It's just a funny video. You know, I didn't want him to be disappointed because he seemed to be all excited about it, but he right. loved it. And 
it was really exciting. And I think it was just kind of early enough in the days of the Internet. Yeah, one of those first viral videos, one of the first. Yeah. Yeah. But it was good. It was really good. I saw it recently and again, and I was like, oh, that was so good. Oh, it holds up. Oh, that's all. It does. It kind of holds up. We really appreciate you taking the time. I think I have an interview with the guy with the longest arm hair or whatever you just said uh, coming up (laughs) after you. So we got to let you go. But uh, real quick in closing, why should we come out? What's the final sell? Uh, here's the final sell. I mean, come out if you think I'm your cup of tea. I don't know. Don't come if I'm not your thing. But, um, you know, it will be fun, I think. My Auntie Martha is coming, and she doesn't go to anything. So, yeah, there you go. Awesome. So just know that Auntie Martha will be in the audience, and so you might want to be there. All right. We'll come just for Auntie Martha. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Sarah Silverman on WTOP. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jason. All right, cool. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.